are the first president of the United States who never had a political post before, were, never served in the military. You come up here, you've been here for almost two years. What's the biggest surprise? And what have you learned since you've been president? Okay, so I always used to say the toughest people are Manhattan real estate guys and blah, blah. Now I say they're babies. <laughs> Who's they're the babies. toughest? The political people. This is the most deceptive, vicious world. It is vicious, it's full of lies, deceit, and deception. You make a deal with somebody and it's like making a deal with uh, that table. Give me an example. Well, I don't want to give you an example. I'm not looking at it. In the meantime, nobody's been able to do what I've been able to do. Remember that. When you look at taxes, you look at regulations, you look at uh, making deals with other countries, nobody's been able to do anything like this. Actually, most people didn't even try because they knew they didn't have the ability to do it. But it's a very deceptive world. The other thing I've really learned is I never knew how dishonest the media was. I, I, I really mean it. I'm not saying that as a soundbite. I never I, I can, knew how I'm, dishonest. I'm going to change the subject again. Well, no, but even the way you asked me a question, like about separation. Yeah. When I say Obama did it, you don't want to talk about no, it. No. When I say I did your, it, let's make a big I'm going to run your answer, but you did it four times. I'm so. just telling you that you treated me much differently on the subject. I disagree, but I don't want to have that fight with you. Hey, All it's right, okay. We're another fight with Leslie, you. Leslie, okay. it's okay. In the meantime, right. I'm president and you're not. That's <laughs> <laughs> such a funny ending to that. <laughs> wow. It would blow your mind, though. Now, so the latest ABC Washington Post polls out Trump's at 41%. I think a lot of people, the vast majority of people who hate Trump, they hate his personality because a lot of his, you know, the metrics you would measure an administration on are pretty good. Or they're, or they're historically great. Yeah. So, but uh, so most of the hatred for him is pers- is personality. A lot of it. Um, yeah. You know, uh, immigration aside, because um, there are people who actually disagree with the policy on that. But um, uh but there's no doubt there have been a number of stories, Bob Woodward points it out in his book, um, that have been just completely bogus. Mm-hmm. That were that were New York Times or Washington Post stories the whole country was talking about for, for you know for a couple of days. Front page in depth, five thousand word right. big ass stories that, turn, that turned out to be utterly fictional. Yeah. And if you were if you're a president, it would just have to blow your mind. Like, yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. That yeah. isn't true at all. Right. It's like when the FBI this they talks about this in Woodward's book. There was a story about out about something the FBI had claimed, or I don't remember what the story was, but anyway, the uh whoever was the leader of the FBI at the time, the head of the FBI at the time, came to President Trump and said that story's not true. And Trump mm-hmm. said, Well, can you go out and say it's not true? Because the media's going crazy with it. Right. And the FBI said we can't do that, or then we'll have to fact check every story that ever comes out. Right. Which I understand. I, you but know, if you're a president, it would drive you nuts. How is this the story of the day on every cable news channel? It's just not real. You know, I would. Uh, the only thing I would quibble or, or amend the president's comments with would be that the, the media is unquestionably dishonest at times. But he might throw in easily led, because you get some uh, anonymous source reporting that day. The word around Treasury is that blah blah blah, and the New York Times and the Washington Post and certainly the cable networks will go crazy with that shred. And it was just planted because it's meant to discredit the president or whatever. It's it's not the media being dishonest. It's being them, or it's them being a willing dupe for those with an agenda. Because you get that a lot. 
Um, do we want more Leslie Stahl and President Trump on 60 Minutes? Do you, do you want the climate change one? God, that was so annoying. Yeah, it was. And it listen, this it is almost not, made me turn it off. Uh, we're not like paid by Exxon or climate change deniers or anything like that. It's just if, if you look at any poll of what people care about or their attitudes about various issues, this is coming at the topic from a, a Green Party Absolutely. Point of view. Here's the Pew which is fine. If you want to say, listen, this is really important to me. I'm an activist on this, et cetera, et cetera. But don't, just please don't portray it as everybody thinks this. Well, right. Here's the percentage of people who, who have this as a high priority. Uh, it was earlier in 2018, so it was this year. Uh, what people care about. Terrorism. I'm always surprised terrorism so high. I don't ever worry about it. I never hear anybody talking about it. But No, um, me neither. Terrorism, education, economy, health care costs. Education, economy, health care costs. I hear people talk about that all the time. Uh, Social Security, Medicare, environment, jobs, uh, environment, I suppose you could claim was climate change, but they have a choice for climate change. Um, Jobs, poor, the poor and needy, reducing crime, race relations, transportation, drug addiction, budget deficit, which should be much higher. Oh, God. Immigration, influence of lobbyists, military. There you get to climate change. we're going down. We're descending. Yes. Now we're down to climate change, which is down with global trade. The two bottom of choices they give you out of 20. Bullshit. And 60 Minutes leads with it and goes on and on like we're all discussing climate change. Right. The media discusses climate change a lot. Yeah, yeah. Which brings us once again to don't miss uh, at the beginning of next hour our discussion of the actual ideological divides in America and how small some of these groups are that are controlling the conversation. Well, we could listen to their discussion of political division. Sure. Which is pretty good. That'd be clip number nine there, Sean. This country is divided, polarized. Within families, there aren't even people who can talk to each other. What does this say about where we are as a country right now? All this division and yeah, strife and anger. I think anger. that what's going to happen, I think the economy is bringing people together. It was very polarized under President Obama, unbelievably polarized under President Obama. I can see the country uniting. I can't see it. We have people, Democrats, who behaved horribly during the judge you, you, you know what I'm saying. But when you During the that, hearings for the Supreme Court, we had senators that behaved horribly. But when you won, you won. No, no one is going to argue with that. I won. You won. I and won. then, after you won, instead of saying, oh, let's all come together, this is wonderful, let's heal all of this, you come out and bash the Democrats. Well, I bashed their attitude. I bashed their but statements. But why not try to bring us together? Because they were so unfair to Judge Kavanaugh. Well, I've not, never seen anything like why it. Why not try to... We need to be healed. We need... I don't think they want to heal yet. I'll be honest. Well, you don't I think, want to heal yet. I, I, I saw Hillary Clinton made a really nasty statement. I don't think they want to be healed. I do want to heal. Every president's got a claim they want to... Uh... To move, but we will get back together, and I'm the one to bring it. But that I, I heard, I've heard, I heard Obama say it over and over. I heard Bush say it over and over. It's just we're going to do what we're going to do. I think, um, yeah, that's unfortunate. She started one question with, "You've had a lot of wins lately," which I thought was uh, pretty generous mm-hmm. for 60 minutes. Yeah, and and he has the economy, the Kavanaugh thing, etc. As the New York Times said, it was the best week the Trump administration's ever had two weeks ago. So. Then Kanye. <laughs> oh, that's right. <laughs> oh, you know what's funny? We got this note. Um, actually got a lot of great emails. Maybe we'll drop some more in, but 
Nice note from uh, Emily, who's been uh, listening to the show for quite a long time, I think she mentions. Um, Friday was the first time she had to turn the program off. Us? Yeah. She felt like we were picking on Kanye too much. Hmm. I think we're in like the outer 10% of charitable to Kanye. I mean, he was berated. In the mainstream media, the whole minstrel show, the whole quote unquote Negroes who don't read. I mean, he was murdered. I thought we were being charitable. I feel like we were even trying to offer the best case scenario of the arguments he was trying to make and then pointing right. out how he made them poorly. But that's right. And, and you know, it's funny. I could read you the, less, uh, the rest of Emily's note, but it's like exactly the way we looked at the whole thing. So I don't know what she heard or what part she heard is, you know, that's it's one of the and, you know, maybe this is a quick message to those of you who feel the need to write these adamant, angry, strongly worded emails and texts to us there. I don't know what you're listening to. And or there's somebody saying completely the opposite at the same minute you're hitting send. So what are we supposed to do with this information? But uh, Emily, I, I'm sorry you were you're not pleased. But, yeah, I think Kanye's a little nuts, but. That was quite something. He was a guy. Uh, <laughs> he was a guy trying to trying to accomplish good. I don't think he comes with a specific agenda. He just wants kindness and beauty and healing and love. So do I. Kanye is also uh, a crazy person, right? Self-admitted. I, I would not use that term. Okay, mentally ill. Yes. Well, yeah, but that that term isn't even that instructive. What term are you discussing Friday? What term are you allowed to use now? Wacky. Wacky, okay. No, because there's there's so many kinds of mentally ill. The fact that the guy's bipolar, I mean, it's not like he's paranoid schizophrenic. Yet. That's where he's headed. Already wasn't taking his medication anymore. Oh really? Yeah, people around him are telling him that he sounds crazy. Yeah, that's a that's a problem. I've uh, I've realized. Mm. There's just there's just a for some reason there's a people who have mental issues don't want to take their medication. It's interesting. I don't know where that comes from, but it's clearly a thing. Uh, later this hour, Mike Lyons on the whole Saudi Arabia deal on what that could mean for our relationship with them and Russia and the Middle East and everything like that. Uh, maybe we'll play Trump's response to that line of questioning on 60 Minutes last night. I'll tell you, the number one watch show last night by far, I'm sure, was Sunday Night Football, which was a barn burner. It was insane. Uh, stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Play action. Holmes steps up, going deep. Downfield wide open again is Hill. Inside the 30. Hill down the sideline. Hill all the way. Last night's Sunday Night Football, Chiefs Patriots went down to the last second. I didn't see any of it. My brother was horrified, texting me, suicidal, as the Chiefs lost. It, it was an insane game. It was 43-40. And it was actually, oddly enough, that's the first time that's ever been the final score in an NFL game. 
They mentioned that. <laughs> thought, well, hmm, that's interesting. That's, uh, hmm, that's notable. I wonder I why. I don't know. Uh, it's, a, it's a rare. I think the, uh, Vegas had the over and under at the points that would be scored in the game at 59 or something like that. Hmm. And it turned out to be 83. But so if you're a fan of defense, there wasn't much of it. <laughs> at least not nearly enough. As the old man, Tom Brady, marched up and down the field slowly, methodically. How about the young phenom from Kansas City that I haven't seen a snap of? Dude is the real deal. Really? Oh, my God. He's amazing. <laughs> so he's, fun. He's ridiculous. Where do those people come from? He can be running backward in the wrong direction, throw the ball with his offhand 50 yards in the air. Awesome. And 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 wedge the ball in the guy's face mask so he doesn't even have to catch it. I mean, it's just, <laughs> it's just ridiculous. Um, it, was, it was a zoo of a game. Awesome. It was, it was good. I tell you what. That Tom Brady's ridiculous. He's they, he needs to breed. They need to take him into custody and force him to breed the supermen and women that will lead us into the future. With him his, and his beautiful Brazilian wife. Hmm. It's just uh, well, that was a good game. So, no, Sunday Night Football is the number one show in America every single week. The number one non sports show last year was Roseanne. Roseanne comes back tomorrow night as the Connors. As uh, you probably heard, I don't know if this was supposed to get leaked out or not, but um, tomorrow night it'll be back with Dan explaining to the family how Roseanne has died, I guess. Uh, she did. A, she had a, an opioid overdose and died, which for the story that was the Roseanne family and where modern America is, that's a pretty good, actually, uh, storyline. Yeah. Fits in pretty good with that whole lifestyle. Yeah. And I would imagine they probably all hand it handle it fairly well on that show yeah we'll see well i have to you know it's a shame uh, roseanne didn't understand that valerie jarrett isn't entirely white <laughs> or, or we wouldn't be. i thought the bitch was white uh, yes what a you. beautiful beautiful voice mellifluous <laughs> calm reasoned explanation <laughs> right right oh boy so uh we got this note from uh dr j who's a longtime correspondent his topic is, we have reached peak stupid. Vox.com on abolishing the Supreme Court. And I read this, some Harvard professor named of uh, Sean Illing, Cold Chilling, uh, is talking about how the Supreme Court has become too, uh, I guess, Mark Tushnet. Tushnet. <laughs> Order yours today. Um, he's a law professor at Harvard who's talking about abolishing the Supreme Court, because now it's too political. And, and there are other societies that have ways of, uh, uh, like, rejecting the ruling of the Supreme Court through the the uh, Democratic People's Assembly. Well, it has become too political, as, as Ben Sass explained to us. I'm surprised that that hasn't... We played that a couple of weeks ago. We probably should play it again. I'm surprised that hasn't caught on as more of a conversation point, that because Congress doesn't do what it's supposed to, legislatively, mm-hmm. and we work that out through, you know, a debate and voting, the Supreme Court has gotten been put in this position where they have to make all these decisions. Right. Yeah, that's that's way too subtle and interesting an argument. You are, you're bad. No, you're bad. That's the American uh, conversation right now. But God, <laughs> you don't want the direction things go to hinge on nine people and a 5-4 vote over right. and over again. Right. But the idea that the, the People's Assembly... Will overturn the the, uh, the the rulings of the Supreme Court is insane, but I love this tweet. I mean, we could talk about the arguments if you wanted, um, but more democracy is not the problem. Is, is not the issue. But I love this tweet 
uh, that I retweeted over the weekend. And and listen, maybe you swing another way politically, maybe you don't like it, but you got to admit it's true. The left loses the White House, and you hear the cry, get rid of the Electoral College. Left loses the Senate, get rid of or change proportional representation in the Senate. Little states shouldn't get two senators, you heard that a lot. Left loses the Supreme Court, abolish the Supreme Court. These are the guys who pretend to be worried about protecting our institutions from Trump. I thought that was a good and ironic point. Mm-hmm. I did, too. I also saw what you tweeted about NBC having to apologize for a story, and I didn't catch oh, that. Yeah, yeah. well, this, again, this only slightly less stupid than the Elizabeth Warren is or is not an Indian <laughs> discussion. Trump was given a speech in Ohio. And he was talking about what a great general, Ulysses S. Grant, who was born very close to where the speech was, was. What a great general Grant was. And in explaining what a great general Grant was, he said Robert E. Lee was a great general. Lincoln couldn't beat him. He was getting a phobia about him and and et cetera. Et cetera. But uh, Grant came along and he won. Incredible general. Just a fabulous general. I don't have the words in front of me, but... And for two solid days, NBC was reporting that Trump was saying Robert E. Lee, who was born there, was a great general and a wonderful general. Um, and it, long after the story was discredited, they were still saying Trump praises Robert E. Lee as wonderful general. Two problems with that. Number Which you're one, not allowed to do? Robert E. Lee was a great general. Everybody knows it. Everybody. I won't build the case. If you don't know about it, read about it. He was a masterful general. But the speech was praising Grant, saying, oh, it took a general so incredible uh, as as Ulysses S. Grant to beat Lee. So, I mean, it was an unbelievably stupid story and disingenuous. And they ran with it two days after everybody had corrected them that he was talking about Grant with most of the uh, the superlatives. Mm. Mm. So that... Trying to pitch him as like a white supremacist confederate. Right. You know, in Ohio, president. because that's going to get you a lot of votes oh, among the white, the, the the racists of Ohio, I guess. I guess. Yeah, is that, the third? that is the formerly honorable Peacock Network, which is now vying with CNN for the uh, the bottom of the heap. But listen, they've decided there's money and uh, and ratings and being part of the resistance. And I cherish the First Amendment and uh, they can do that. I, I will call them on it. But they get to do that. Did the NFL pull you back in last night? Probably not. No. It was a fun bit of entertainment, and I was hanging out with a buddy who's a huge Chiefs fan. Mm. So that was fun, but nah. What's coming up in your news, Marshall Phillips? Uh, Secretary of State Pompeo heading to Saudi Arabia as the investigation into the missing journalist really heats up. We've got Trump on his love affair with North Korea's Kim (laughs) and another battle in Portland and Tifa at it again. You know, if I'm going to be honest, I will watch the Chiefs a little more, because they're exciting. Mahomes is something special. Yeah, he's crazy. That's cool. Uh, Yeah, this particular uh, portion of the 60 Minutes is what also made me very angry with Leslie Stahl and her infant-like attitude of the world. All coming up on the Armstrong and Getty Show. at the numbers somebody is putting them up yesterday one of the main reasons if the republicans lose the house that they're going to lose the house is so many republicans leaving just retiring 
so many of them quit. Right. That really hurts your chances. Because incumbents are so much harder to beat. Turns out to be miserable, thankless work being in the legislature these days. Ugh. I couldn't do it. It sounds like a death sentence to me, <laughs> being a House member. If you actually have to spend 30 hours a week on the phone begging people for money, well, come, never. Come for the fundraising. Stay for the being told if you vote your conscience, you'll be ruined. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah, good stuff. Let's get the news now with Marsha Phillips. Uh, President Trump says Saudi leaders are still denying having anything to do with the disappearance of the Washington Post columnist Jamal Khashoggi. Trump telling reporters that he is sending Secretary of State Mike Pompeo right away to Saudi Arabia to meet with the Saudi king. Meanwhile, President Trump sat down with Leslie Stahl for a 60 Minutes interview that aired last night. Well, there were no explosions. The exchanges were tense at times, like when she tried to challenge Trump for saying he and North Korean leader Kim love each other. I want to read you his resume. Okay? He presides over a cruel kingdom of repression, gulags, starvation, uh, reports that he had his half-brother assassinated, slave labor, public executions. This is a guy you love. I know all these things. I mean, I'm not a baby. I know, know, but why do you love that guy? Look, look. Mm. I I get along with him, okay? But you said you love him. Okay, that's just a figure of speech. No, it's like an embrace. Well, let it be an embrace. Let it be whatever it is to get the job done. He's a bad guy. Look, let it be whatever it is. I get along with him really well. I have a good energy with him. I have a good chemistry with him. Look at the horrible threats that were made. No more threats. No more threats. Leslie Stahl, if I was Trump, I'd have said, why don't you lay down and I'll change your diaper because you are a baby. Where she's almost 80, so maybe that would... But um, He was way too belligerent. He's going to lead us into a war. Now he's way too friendly. He's cozy with the dictator. Oh, jeez. It how just can, tires me out. How can 60 Minutes simultaneously be the top-rated show among smart people always and, and have such stupid questioning sometimes? Trump saying, I'm going to be whatever i got to be to get the job done. Oh, you're right, Leslie. I should condemn him and call him a bad person and then say, will you get rid of your, your nukes now? No, that's not going to work, you freaking moron! Who, who was that for? You said you loved him. I was screwing around. It was a rally. Gemini. <laughs> it's, just, it's just so childish. The whole thing is childish. God dang it. I don't know how you keep from exploding when you're the president of the United States. And this, we were just talking about this during the commercials. Uh, Sean brought it up. Every president, the media tries to get them to say they made a mistake. Right. <laughs> and every president dodges it. What is it. the greatest mistake you've made? Whether you gave the example of O'Reilly grilling Obama. And every president dodges it because they know if they say they made a mistake on anything, which of course they did. We're grown-ups here. Everybody makes mistakes, especially in four or eight years of decision-making. Sure, miscalculates in a complex world. But if you say you made a mistake, the headlines will be, Mitt's mistake on whatever. What? Who is that for? Or if you den- or if you don't answer it, Obama claims he's never made a mistake. Right, right. So you can you imagine the way? You imagine get a the hubris of this crazy person saying he's never made a mistake. Who's never made a mistake? Oh, Nobody. God. Yeah, so I know tiring. I know. I know. <laughs> Police are saying that a rally described as a march for law and order in Portland, Oregon, turned into chaos as right-wing activists and extreme leftist protesters fought in the streets on Saturday night. Members of the Patriot Prayer uh, group uh, battled with members of Antifa in a fight that involved bear spray, fists, and batons. Oh, 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 
Bad fight. Broken up. Yeah, I watched a bunch of videos over the weekend. It was some pretty good brawling. The yep. bear spray is just uh, totally unfair, especially because you never know where it's going to go or drift, and you end up getting your own people. It's stupid. But uh, Ted Wheeler, the communist mayor of Portland, yep. is reaping precisely what he sowed. He allowed left-wing lawlessness, and so now you have the right-leaning groups coming to town saying, Mm-mm, we're going to have a march. And, and In fact, unlike Antifa and Black Lives Matter, They'll get a permit and march. Right. And then Antifa comes to fight them, and, and it's on. You see, the deal is, mayors of San Jose and Portland and everywhere else, you can't allow anybody to be violent in the streets. You just can't allow that. Or or nature's going to take its course. Well, right, exactly. And Ted Wheeler's defense is always that, well, the police, if they, if they dealt with it, it would just make things worse. Which is the coward slash not wanting to deal with the responsibility thrust upon him way of doing it, uh, of, of dealing with things or not dealing with them. And as Jack points out, nature will take its course, Ted. You want to cower in your office and say, well, it would just make it worse if we did anything about it. Well, somebody's going to do something about it. And maybe you're not so fond of the somebody and how they do it. But, man, it's on in Portland. This is just the beginning. Alec Baldwin was back on Saturday Night Live over the weekend for the show's cold opening about President Trump's meeting with Kanye West. Baldwin sat down with cast members Chris Redd as West and Kenan Thompson as the former NFL player (laughs) Jim Brown. First, let me begin with the idea that time is a myth of infinite amounts of universe. And I'm a prisoner in a different dimension. Have I lost anyone so far? Okay, so I'm going to talk about trap doors. Like the 13th Amendment is a trap door. And if you're installing a floor, okay, a.k.a. the Constitution, why would you build a trap door where you could end up with the donut bomber? This guy might be cuckoo. I mean, I've been in the room with Dennis Rodman and Kim Jong-un, and they made a lot more sense than him. <laughs> Alex Baldwin. <laughs> I saw a discussion yesterday with Chris Christie and George Stephanopoulos of at what point did Trump think, okay, this may not be going the way I want it to go. <laughs> and he sat there and poker-faced it. How do yeah. I handle this? My headline is... Uh, left-wing entertainers mock the mentally ill. Ooh. Yeah. There you go. Come on, activist groups. Where are you? That's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips. The Armstrong and Getty Show, the conscience of the nation. I'm looking up at the bank of televisions and all the TV screens. Good morning, America. Going big on Hillary saying her husband didn't abuse his position and sexing up a 22-year-old, which runs counter to her side. I, the Clintons are so getting killed. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they're they're yesterday'sville, man. If she thinks she's running, she she's really delusional. Hillary, I need you to do me a favor. When you see a microphone, don't talk into it. Yeah, God dang. What? No kidding. Um, so is this true Saudi Arabia may get in bed with the Russians over us pressing them on the death of that journalist? Mm. We're gonna talk to our military analyst Mike Lyons about that coming up on the Armstrong and Getty show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. The Armstrong and Getty Show. You have to let 
there's something really terrible and disgusting about that if that were the case. So we're going to have to see. We're going to get to the bottom of it, and there will be severe punishment. Talking about Saudi Arabia and uh, Saudi state-owned media over the weekend warned that Russia will install permanent military a permanent military base if the U.S. imposes sanctions on Saudi Arabia for the probable death of this journalist. That would certainly be a revolting oh, development. Oh, my God. It's hard to imagine a historical pivot uh, like that taking place based on this situation, but it could, I suppose. Mike Lyons, CBS News military analyst, joins us. Uh, Mike, how are you, sir? Hey, good morning, guys. Great to be back with you. Uh, it's always a pleasure. So, uh, first of all, it's probably worth mentioning that uh, Mr. Khashoggi, who is the disappeared journalist in this case, is not quite the the liberalizing activist, ink-stained, uh, you know, reporter hack that he's been portrayed as being by the Western press. He was a Saudi insider, a bit of a power broker. Um, and to me, this is more about a political struggle than a disappearing journalist. But anyway, uh, what's your take on some of the threats and counter threats? Yeah, I mean, both sides, all sides went to their respective corners pretty quickly. Um, you saw the Congress, for example, immediately try to shut down our military relationship with Saudi Arabia. You see the Saudis, like you said here, have a state-run media op-ed out that talks about we're going to partner with Russia. They already have uh, more or less um, an oil relationship with them as, you know, oil is becoming much more less dependent upon in terms of as other countries produce other gas alternatives and other energy alternatives. So they would expand that relationship. Um, the president trying to, you know, keep calm. The media already has this guy dead, chopped, quartered, you know, with a buzzsaw, and he's already, you know, <clears throat> out the door. So I, I, I mean, we've got a lot to, to, to determine. <clears throat> I don't see how Saudi Arabia does this knowing full well that there were going to be cameras there and, all kinds of people inside there that would have witnesses to this. Um, but we just you know, have to see what happens and whether it goes back. Right now they're looking for a loophole, and I think their only loophole would be that some rogue actor inside the consulate did something, and uh, they'll try to cover it up from that way. But you know, we're still a ways to go before you see Russian military bases installed in Saudi Arabia. How important is Saudi Arabia to us as, a, as, as an ally in that part of the world? Oh, very important, and um, not not the greatest of allies. But but let's let's take a step back and say all countries act in their own best interest. And you know, I was watching experts this morning talk about you know how the United States doesn't have any allies anymore because we're acting so much in our interests. And, and I and I want to just respond to that and say, look, so does everybody. And for some reason, let's say the Saudi government. And not necessarily the prince at the top levels, but someone decided that this guy had to go for some reason. Let's just kind of put that out there. Countries act in their best interests, and there's a reason to do that. It could have been personal. It could have been whatever the case may be. The bottom line is this, though. If if we're going to align ourselves against the Iranians and try to keep them from becoming a hegemonic power, we want to have Saudi Arabia on our side. If not on our side, then the Middle East becomes even more of a wild west than it is right now. I don't think any of us are in favor of people being disappeared without trial or justification. But having said that, what is the U.S. interest in really going to the wall um, in this situation? That's a great question. And this happens in China every day. Uh, for some reason, again, I, my perception is the media has taken a hold of the narrative. And because he's a, a journalist or you know, wrote, a, wrote a couple op-eds for the, as a contributor to the Washington Post, that he had some kind of special halo over him, and that would, you know, make this a lot worse. We're going to we're going to decide all of our national interests off of one guy. Now, 
again, you go back to Roman times, you know, you could walk the, you know, the, the earth and knowing you're a citizen of Rome, you weren't going to be harmed. We have to do something. But for us, I think the president's right. For us to just all of a sudden cancel $200 billion worth of arms sales or destroy the relationship over this is a little bit extreme. And, and I, my pitch, what I'm seeing, unfortunately, from the media's perspective is, you know, Donald Trump is all about money. He's got investments there, and he just looks at this as a money deal. But again, go back to what I said before, all countries are acting in their own best interest. It's not in our interest right now to try to you know, make this a lot worse with Saudi Arabia based on what happened. Well, as Trump pointed out last night in 60 Minutes, and he, and he said, don't be a baby or I'm not a baby or whatever, he said, if Saudi, if Saudi Arabia doesn't buy fighter jets from, from us, they're going to buy them from Russia or China. Right. Now, there's a still a big infrastructure already of U.S.-made parts and planes that are there, and we've got a significantly uh, tight relationship for sending Saudi Arabian officers to General Staff College and, and the like in fighter training. So, uh, look, the Saudis are not going to align themselves with second-rate equipment. They're, they're just not, that's just not in their DNA. They're, they're, they're going to come up with a scapegoat out of this. They're, they're not going to do any of that thing that they want to do with Russia. They, they know they, they've seen Russian equipment as it was pouring uh, over their border during Desert Storm, and they see that the crap that the Russian military-industrial complex produces. Um, and, you know, this, you look at this relationship. It goes back to the Bushes. It goes back to the 50s. You know, it's a long-standing relationship. It'll get sorted out. The question is, what's, what's the excuse going to be and whether or not the media buys it and whether or not the rest of the world buys it. And a final note from the Middle East. Uh, what's Iran up to these days? Are they uh, making progress in pursuing their goals? What's the snapshot right now? Same as before, they continue to be undercover. They claim that uh, they're abiding by the treaty um, that was signed, but uh, they still don't allow inspectors in, inside their facilities. Uh, you know, I've, I've just always said the second the, is- the Israelis get any kind of satellite proof or some in- inkling that they have this nuclear capability, I mean, those, those um, you know, F-18s are going to be, you know, marshaled out of Tel Aviv, and they'll, they'll have time on target pretty quickly. They're, they're not going to play. And so... Um, you know, the Iranians continue to, to press and push the envelope. Our sanctions will take place more or less more on November 1st. We're, we're kind of betting on this kind of internal struggle that will take place here. I don't think that's a good bet from, from my perspective, uh, but we just have to continue to contain them as best we can, and we're going to need Saudi Arabia to do that. Mike Lyons, military analyst. Mike, thanks a million. Great to talk to you. Great guy. Thanks for having me. You got it. Hmm. So is Trump being led by the media and the, the, they're making such a big deal out of this reporter that he feels like he's got to, or...? He's saying some pretty strong stuff. But again, like I said last week, they might be saying behind the scenes, look, I'm going to say strong things to the media. I have to. Mm -hmm. But we're tight. We're still still bros. Yeah, I was surprised the extent to which uh, the president made strong statements about this situation, not only on 60 Minutes, but Friday. Um, I really expect them to soft pedal it more as we try to figure out what's going on and who this guy was, really, because there's some really interesting stuff out about him. Yeah. Um, I'm surprised he, he came out as strong as he did, but to your point, did he go behind the scenes and say, yeah, we're going to say some strong stuff to uh, appease the folks, but don't worry, we're, we're bros. Yeah, I'm sure he did that. I think the one thing that has come out of this, because that's all going to settle down, I think. We're not going to do anything. They're not going to do anything. Um, our relationship will continue the same it has been. I think the one thing that has come out of this is the world looks differently at MBS. He is not the Jeffersonian Democrat going to change Saudi Arabia guy that everybody was hoping. Right. He was a guy who just wanted, I want to be the one guy in charge of this country, mm-hmm. and I'm going to kill whoever gets in my way. Well, and it, part of his plan is to bring his country more into modernity. He is a reformer. But he's his kind of reformer, not yours. Yeah, I think when people say reformer, don't they usually mean that's to the good of the world? It might not be to the good of the world. 
or or, or anybody who lives there. I think it's an incrementally better. I yeah. think he could easily make the argument that it's it's better. It's a step forward, and he's a brutal dictator. Mm. Um, I will tell you this: according to the Spectator, which is a uh, very solid publication, um, Khashoggi, the disappeared uh, editorial guy, he was a Saudi insider for a very long time. He was a royal family favorite. He was an apologist. Who wrote columns in the newspaper for, right. for, 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 well, for dictators. But he befriended Osama bin Laden in the 80s and 90s in Afghanistan and Sudan. They were buds. At the same time, and keep in mind, that's when we, the United States, was funneling tremendous amounts of money to Osama bin Laden and his guys so they'd win in Afghanistan and beat the Russians. So I'm not trying to tar this guy that they were friends, but at the Read same... Read Charlie Wilson's War. It's a great book. At the same time, he was employed by the Saudi intelligence services to try to persuade bin Laden to make peace with the Saudi royal family. And the spectator and their sources believe that in the power struggle that's going on right now, Khashoggi had information about ties between the Saudi family and Al-Qaeda that would have really embarrassed MBS and screwed his relationship with the U.S. Mm. And that's why Khashoggi ain't around anymore. So much good stuff, I don't have time to tell you what it is, though. So stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show.